I mean, I've honored every drop, every ounce, every crevice of this grief collectively. And I can genuinely say in this moment, I've experienced recently the most profound level of self-love and love for life and love for others. Um, I don't even know if love is the word that can fully encompass it, but I, I deeply feel this is the most grounded, integrated, and of service I've ever been. Happiest. If, it, if I died tomorrow, it was all worth it. Everything. What's it gonna, what's it gonna take? What's it gonna take for you to finally break up with your bullshit? Thing where you could do if you could only break up with your bullshit. I was just laughing with my guest. This is Michelle Aiken, and welcome to the Break Up With Your Bullshit podcast. Uh, I am, if you don't know me, I'm a master certified coach and a silly goose of the highest degree. And um, I love doing this podcast because I love bringing on all different types of people. If you were around for season one, it was all of my really hyper successful friends who have like been on Joe Rogan and shit. And, uh, And then I got a little tired of asking people to be on a podcast and I stopped for a really long time. And now I've just been bringing on different interesting guests, interesting in that my conversations with them when I'm not recording them are always fruitful and we write things down that each other says and the like. And today, actually, this is a first in a long time, I think on my old podcast, I did this once, but I have not done this on this podcast um, because my guest today is one of my clients who I've been working with for years, right, Melinda? Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) How many? I think we're almost at three. Is that right? We are. Were you thinking about that in preparation for this conversation? I was. (laughs) 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 Okay, Michelle, let's go and introduce you. Let me get the facts straight. (laughs) And I'm actually not going to introduce you. Could you tell people your name and like who you are and then whatever you want to say? Yeah, um, I'm Melinda, and I am a certified life and grief coach. Michelle has been monumental in my journey in multiple ways, not just as my coach, but as, I I guess there's no other way to put it, and I cringe a little because I'm aware of how corny it sounds, but you have been my source of inspiration from the beginning, from before Mm -hmm. I met you, and I know I've told you this, but it's because you are nuts. Like you are literally, (laughs) you have always been so fully expressed and yourself. And I think me three years ago knew that at the end of my life, like that's all that matters to me is getting to that level of freedom and truth and creativity. And so, yeah, I just... I see my whole journey with you as like a big um, expression of that. Mm. So it's so fun being your client and it's so fun being a coach uh, that works with a coach like you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I, it's, it's funny because when you started saying that, I thought about when you first reached out to me and I, I have a hard time discerning whether people actually want to work with me or want to talk to me once and then never again, you know, yeah. like try me on, test me out, uh, take me for a spin. Cause they heard stuff. And oh. 
so I think I put you through your paces over email. I can't remember exact. I know I flung something back at you to see what you would do with it. Yeah. Um, and then the way you responded made me go, oh, she's for real. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad you felt that. <laughs> I was. I wouldn't have gotten on the phone with you, babe. Uh, that's good. I I had done my research on you. I had probably watched a bunch of YouTube videos, stalked you heavily on Instagram, um, just talked about you with some mutual colleagues of like, oh, do you like know Michelle? Michelle, I sound creepy, but like, no, I really was like so. Uh, I think just resonant with something that I at the time like couldn't fully access, but you embodied. So I'm glad, I'm glad you, you gave me a shot. <laughs> well, and it's, I think I also said to you early on that, um, you remind me so much of a slightly younger version of me. And when I say younger, I don't even mean in age. I mean, in like time doing work on myself, like the amount of years that you've been in it, you know? Um, and in order to be able to work with someone who feels like me a few years back, I have to be really okay with that version of me. Yeah. Ooh. And I, I noticed I was like, when I talked to you, I was like, Oh, I must be like really okay with that part of me now because this woman doesn't annoy me. That's nice. That is nice. I'm grateful. <laughs> Thanks for doing the feeling work. I think that if you had come to me even like a year before that, I might have been like, I don't know if I can do this because I hate what I see reflected because it's me. Wow. That's so wild. Yeah. Sorry do you know when people it. are tough to coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. But you're not. You're a delight. Um, <laughs> especially because... Uh, and part of the reason I wanted to bring you on is because I find myself always wanting to talk about you in the public in just like what you're up to is so inspiring to me and I'll, I'll say it and then you can add stuff to it. But I just see you because you're, you're taking on grief and working mm -hmm. with people who are experiencing major, major life tragedy, like sibling loss, parental loss, um, but even relationship loss or really any kind of loss you're, specialized now in being able to work with those people, not as a therapist, but as a coach working to create their future. And that's wild to me, especially someone who's dying, wanting to like end their life well. And you're someone who can work with them on that. That just sounds amazing to me. I don't see a lot of, I saw other people kind of niching in this area, but I don't really see a lot of people doing it. Um, like what, so as I said, all of that, did I get any of that wrong or would you add anything to it? No, none of that was wrong. And okay, sweet. Yeah, having you reflect that, I think presence to me to, yeah, like that is my whole life. Um, not just being of service in that way, but living really meaningfully and intentionally. And I think sometimes I forget that because Thankfully, like, this is something that I've been trying to practice living into for years, probably the last three years, especially. Um, and it just feels right. It's, it's an honor. You've been working with the dying, right? Lately. Mm -hmm. What's that mm -hmm. been like? 
Ooh. Wow. Okay, the thing that came to me was it's it's normal. It's mm-hmm. normal for me. It feels as I think, okay, here's what I, I think is starting to percolate for me. I, as a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist, I I think the number one thing I've been really paying attention to in my life and dismantling is underneath every layer of performance is just the simple truth that we all want, which is to be present and live um, from our values and live our truth. And so I look at the dying as like the fullest expression of that. I look mm-hmm. at people who are grieving as the fullest expression of that. I know for me to receive them, I have to be the fullest expression of that. So I look at my life now as one big pulse, like all that has to be consistent everywhere for me to really be in integrity with my life. And I'm not perfect at it. You know, I tell you everything as my coach about all the intricacies. Um, But overall, I can feel into that rhythm. So whether I'm with someone who lost their child or someone who is dying, it just does feel the same at this point. Like I'm receiving your full truth. Like what a gift to be present wow. with you. Um, what a gift to have to hold the most raw form of your humanity. And like, there's nothing for me to fix. It's just all a witnessing. And if all I can tell you is hold my hand and we're going to breathe through this together, I mean, I'm, that's valuable to me. I will do that yeah. with you. Um, well, and people don't know how to do that because people think they have to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've, um, I think I've shared with you that there was a time in my life when I hadn't really experienced any deep grief uh, and I, I got kind of obsessed with it because I was into pop singers and particularly Christina Aguilera. And like, I noticed that all pop singers have at least a track on their album. That's this like sad story. Ooh, yeah. And she had one about her abusive father. And I like, I was like, I need something like that. I don't have anything to be dark about. How can I be a singer if I don't have anything to be dark about? And and then my fucking mom died when I was 26. So like, you know, I got what I was kind of wishing for there. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, all my, my friends were having different deaths in the family and like that never happened until I was out of college. Wow. For me. I never experienced death, but I took a college class. This is the part I definitely told you. I took a college class called death and dying. And it was like the most popular class at my college. Everyone always made sure because it it fulfilled some requirement. And also they were like, oh, it's just we just get to talk about death. So like everyone tried to get into it. It was super popular. Um, and even in that class, I struggled with writing about she wanted us to write about grief. And I'm like, um, um let's see, what can I make up? <laughs> Whoa, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So 26 is when you experienced like, I think 25 because that's when she got diagnosed. Uh, yeah. And then I was just shy of 27 when she died. 
like a month out of being 27. So it was almost a full two years of her being sick. And, and she had a, uh, she, she had a brain tumor. And the way that we found out is that she had a stroke from wow. the brain tumor. And, um, and so she was, she went to the hospital and the stroke caused her to be immobile on her left side. Wow. And my mom and I are very similar. I've been unpacking this lately that we were actually very similar. She just was, she was kind of filling the role of father and mother in the house. So she had to kind of push back on her creativity and her zaniness. And she had to like shove it somewhere. Uh, I've only come to terms now. She was an Aquarius and I didn't realize that until a few years ago. Like I knew her birthday, but I just, Melinda, I just didn't didn't see her that way because she acted like she acted like a Virgo. Oh my God. She was like, everything has to be just so and let's go. And you know, if you're if you have, don't have your shit together, fuck off. And just very that like, like masculine or that Virgo energy. Yeah, like she couldn't be fully in her nature. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not allowed. And she always was telling me to tone it down. Whoa. Wow, wow, wow. So to have her go immobile. Yeah. What a mind fuck. That's when my mom died. You know, like. Uh, whoa. That's a really good point. Because I think the. It, okay. I want to ask a question about your grief, but I think an aspect of grief is it's not just a literal, the literal moment that someone takes their last breath, it begins in a series of losses. Mm-hmm. Like the last time they um, s- stop walking, right? Or like the last time they can cook a meal for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just all these series of losses that we don't like acknowledge in right. society and they just collect. And then we don't realize that we're missing like the whole grieving process. Um, But it sounds like you were really aware of like that moment. Um, In retrospect, in retrospect. Yeah. Cause this was like before I had done any therapy or coaching or anything. Oh, it's what pushed me towards it. It like, I realized, Oh, my boyfriend can't be my therapist. Mm -hmm. I should probably you know, talk to somebody that isn't him. <laughs> okay. That, that leads me to, how did you know that you were experiencing grief? Mm. Well, I didn't experience it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just tweeting about this. I would just, I, I got into a long period of time where I smoked weed all day, every day mm-hmm. for a while, just to like survive being alive. Um, Mm -hmm. and also another fucked up thing. I'm just going to plug my lamp in. Hang on one sec. I'll keep talking though. Um, (laughs) another fucked up thing is that I was in the room when my mom got her diagnosis and I was the only person in the room in that moment. The doctor just wandered in to say, Hey, it's cancer. And, uh, my reaction was just to kind of go, Oh, and she, she like, maybe it was this hand. She like grabbed my wrist and she said, no, you don't get upset. Wow. So I was like, okay, I won't. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Honestly, I can imagine. Go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. Well, I was just going to say, like, I didn't, I thought I was all good. <laughs> and then I joined accomplishment coaching and on like the first day, um, you know how I'm not going to say everything that we do, but you know how on the first day, like your fellow participants reflect stuff about you. I mean, it happens all year, right? But my friend, Christine Sachs, who was in my program, she just looks at me and she goes, I think that you're sad. And I, I was like, oh, what's this bitch think she is? What is <laughs> happening right now? Like through my smile. Just yeah. like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't survive that year without addressing my grief, but it took, it took a lot of people and it took a lot of modalities and different things to try before, because at that point in my life, uh, someone reached out to me and wanted to barter coaching for Reiki and I made fun of it. Like I took screenshots of it and laughed about it with my friends. Whereas now I think Reiki's amazing and I would absolutely do that and pay for it and, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's where I, so that's where I was on my, like, my journey, if you will, at the time. Wow, wow, wow. And that's wild because one of the reasons why I knew I wanted to work with you was I had come across a post an older post of yours on Instagram where you were talking to your mom out loud, mm-hmm. I think. And this was like a few, like a, many years after she had passed, but you were candidly like crying and expressing, I think it's like the middle of the night, like you, you recorded that. And I remember just watching that and being like, oh my God, like that level of self-connection where you will take yourself out of bed to be that honest with your grief and connect with your mom. Shit, I gotta go back and watch. I scrolled past it the other day, and I was like, "What was that video even? When did when did I make that? And what am I even saying in it?" But I didn't want to click on it for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. So that's interesting that you're bringing it up because there's probably something in there. I, and I'm I'm going through a lot of interesting healing right now. So um, I I'm fascinated now because I think probably there's something really relevant in there. Cause usually what I go to my mom about is like relationship stuff and really, um, I don't know, just super confusing, painful, internal struggle stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that's probably what that was. Ooh. Thank you for bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, no, I, I do think that the way you honor every thread of yourself is so beautiful. And um, it's what makes you a force to be reckoned with. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm wondering, when you were talking just now about all the little things that happen that are like the events on the way up until finally dying? Like, is that something you take people through or have them map out? Um, yes and no. And it just depends on that person's grief. I think that's another thing that blows my mind about working in this, uh, particular area is every person's grief is so different. So I'm constant, like, even though I'm trained in this and I do this on a daily basis, I'm always a student first to people's grief. Mm. And 
I'm paying close attention to not what they're saying, but like what's between the lines and like the rhythm of their grief. So some people just need, just need a space to become undone consistently because whatever their personal life looks like, they, they're hardened. Right. Right. There's no space for it. Yeah. There's no space for it. And I'll poke it. Like, what would it be like to create this level of self-permission in your life in general? So it's not just here, but, but it begins building safety in a place like this. Right. And then if milestones organically come up, like people will naturally honor, like, oh my God, um, my mom is declining so much. It's terrifying. Right. Like that is, yeah, that's a useful way to grieve, like just organically like that. Mm -hmm. And then for other people, I'll I'll notice um, that it is really supportive for them to map out like, okay, these are the milestones that could predictably trigger something. Um, And like, how do I be intentional with that? How do I honor those moments or let myself at least know I have options? Um, I actually led um, my rising group through that earlier today. And oh, that was, was that your new one? Or yeah. One that's new- been ongoing. Okay. So you just started well, a group. Actually, we started it. We're halfway through. So this is my most recent group. But oh, okay. Got you. Um, and so, yeah, we are at the point in the journey where we're talking about milestones and like grieving different um, points in the journey of it. And so, oh, sorry, more. No, no. Um, I, I would love to just hear, I've actually, because I don't talk to you about the content of what you're doing very often. I have a lot of, like, sometimes I want, I'm like, what does a rising group do? So for people listening, Melinda has a program, it's called rising. And all I know is that people who are grieving do the program. That's like all I really know. And it's amazing. And by the end of it, everyone's like, oh my God, can we do it again? And you know, like it was, it's great for people. And that's all I really know about it. But I'd love to hear like, how long is it and how, how does it kind of go or what do you do with people? Yeah, it is a six month long container and, um, it's designed that way to be a little longer because, I think we have a tendency in our society to um, minimize our grief and put like um, our own expectations of how long we should grieve. And so I wanted this to be longer. It does not mean grief ends at six months, but it's intended and designed to be really generous with the space. Um, And it's broken up into three sections. I use nature for a lot of inspiration in my work and the essence of rising is imagine like the first two months of the program is about being a seedling again because you were once a daisy and then lost like ripped you out of the ground and and for so many people they're like how the hell am I supposed to get up and live my day normally like even drinking water is not just a task. It just seems foreign. Right. So we cover topics like shock, um, anger, regret, sadness, well-being, um, how physical grief is and what it looks like to like honor and respect your body, even if you don't always feel like caring for it. And, and that's just to feel like you can be a seedling again in life. 
And um, the next two months are about growing roots and just starting to sprout. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Thank you. It's just a very apt metaphor. Keep going. Yeah, it it really just came through me. I did not think it was going to be this resonant to what it is. Um, But in, in those two months, which is like months three and four, it is... It, it's it's all about things like um, is the way you use your time a reflection of your values? Because I think that's like a really big theme for people who go through loss. They realize what's so precious to them and they don't always have space to integrate. Like, oh my God, I now see that all I want is to hug my family a little harder. Like what, what does that actually look like? Like how can I reliably choose into that? Um, we talk about the difference between ruminations versus regret, uh, joy within grief. Um, so many topics that I think every griever wants to dismantle and talk about, but can't find the space. And, um, and so, yeah, that's like about starting to sprout, let yourself, like, let yourself have multiple things at once, right? Like you can have all the grief and pain um, and start to start to receive joy in life. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's like a very confronting point for, I think, every griever. Because yeah. um, you get something good and you're going to lose it. Yep, yep. Or a lot of people feel like if I let myself feel joy and happiness again, I am more disconnected to the person who passed. And they are in a way, because you got to let go of that it was sad and like embrace that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, but without that awareness, a lot of people will stay stuck in the suffering. Yeah. So we have to poke at it, prod, and gently create a path for you to trust joy again um, while still, while still holding your pain. I have this like one weird example of how I did that with my mom where and my coach actually asked a question that unearthed this, but I was doing something weird with like guilt around not doing the dishes. Uh-huh. And it was totally tied to how my mom was always like all over us about the dishes need to be done when I get home from work. And it was this thing. It was a big thing. And, uh-huh. um, and like part of me clinging to it and making myself wrong for not doing the dishes was clinging to her memory. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a really good example. This is a while ago. And I have like completely let that go. And like, I, I, and now I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, what even was it? Oh yeah. It was the dish thing. Uh, I just generally don't have the same cleaning stuff. I used to have the judgments about not cleaning. Like I'm kind of messy. I'm not nearly as messy as I used to be either, but I like stopped forcing myself to clean at some point and allowed that part of her to like move on and just be free. (laughs) You're not here. I don't need to act like this. I didn't, I wouldn't need to, if she was alive and I'm like in my apartment, you know, not doing, uh, being, being upset about the dishes. Wow. Oh my gosh. But it sounds like you really grieved well to let yourself have that moment of letting her go in that way. I think I've, I think in, it's taken me a while, but I have, uh, I have like a lot of space around my mom now. 
and a lot of acceptance. And I've worked with many different practitioners over the years and just done so much fucking work about it. Um, and I got a new wave of grief. You're going to finish your thing about your program in a second, but I got a new wave of grief recently because my daughter just leveled up in her, I don't know, expression. And I had this moment of, oh my God, my mom would fucking love Amelia. And just like a, oh. Yeah. That I didn't swoop in and go, well, she's watching. So, you know, I'm just like, oh man. But on the physical plane, Amelia would have done my mom a lot of good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy you let yourself feel that, that human grief. Because I, yeah, I think that is what, grieving well is is you're holding multiple truths of the same in the same hand so yeah honor your spiritual connection with her because it sounds like you honor her as a transition um from physical to now spirit Mm -hmm. and you can totally let yourself have the human experience of it's of course it still hurts and Mm. of course there's so much to grieve about that grandmother to your daughter relationship yeah yeah Mm-hmm. she talks about her too she's like grandma donna's watching me she likes me a lot god okay sorry i know i'm obsessed with you but i'm obsessed with your daughter as I... you should be and everyone she's the greatest person ever she really is i can't believe how connected she is oh right because i've told you about how she like knows she knows stuff she knows stuff yeah. about dead people she just knows stuff. Oh my God. Melinda, if I get pregnant by next year, uh, then we're all going to have to throw a party for her because she told me that I'm going to have a baby next year. Oh my God. But she told me it last year. So it was like 2022. She's like, the baby, she looks at me, she goes, the baby's not coming until 2024. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Should I stop trying for the moment? Cause that won't line up with the time. <laughs> What the heck is it like to have a daughter that's psychic? <laughs> Where can I it's, find one? I don't know. I'm sure you'll have one, though, because yeah. I really just think that we allow and encourage her in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, not my husband. He, he's a cynic, so he'll explain away the... Even, it doesn't matter how on the nose something is. He's like, yeah, and maybe she was just saying words. And I'm like, I get it. I understand. I'm still going to go affirm her now because I'm not about to invalidate her around it. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm just thinking right now about the line between like delusion and reality and they're both in quotes. Cause it's like, I don't know. I, I do automatic writing and talk to my mom and I get answers back from her that don't feel that like I am conceptualizing them with my mind. They are literally coming through my hand And that's how I feel when I write music. And that's how I feel when I write fiction. So what's real, actually? I'm right there with you. Right there with you. But yeah. I I wrote down a quote I want to tell you about, too. But maybe after, what month were you talking about of your program? (laughs) I forgot about that already. Um, It's like hanging in the back of my head. Like, we have to get back to a thing good at that um I was talking about the middle of it so months three and four Mm -hmm. and uh I mean literally everything we just talked about is basically what happens in month three or four like 
that level of uh, exploration and honoring and holding many things in the same hand. Um, and then month five and six is the last, that's the last portion of rising and it is about rising. So imagine those topics are, are curated for like, you're never going to, you didn't regrow as a daisy. You grew, regrew as like a wildflower between the cracks of the cement and you are. Yeah. Right. Like loss is so sobering because it does shatter every level of illusion you had about life. Yes. I've noticed that, right? Like people will be like, oh my God, I did not know life could be so brutal. Like, "Uh uh-huh. It's beautiful and fucking brutal. Um, And so that's, that's the time that we really integrate, like, okay, how do I bring this level of realness, this level of safety I've found in rising into my communities and into the relationships that really matter, where maybe right now it does not feel safe and I don't know how to ask for what I want or what I need for my grief to continue to thrive and for the culture of those spaces to change around grief. Um, so we dissect all of that. We have a whole call around spirituality. We do a death meditation so that they be with their own death um, and potentially receive uh, visitations if that's, um, you know, if that's what they're open to usually all of my participants end up being really naturally spiritual or open. So it's really fun at that point. Um, And yeah, the topics are just really curated to have you uh, feel like you're actually rising in an embodied way. And, um, and so, yeah, usually by the end, my goal is for people to feel like they are a living, breathing miracle in prayer because they are and they are in this new beginning where they carry they carry their loss they carry their grief and their loved one and they understand that um their grief is access to their full humanity so oh yeah (laughs) it made our hearts swell what did you say there's some fucking poetry in there which you do also (laughs) Mm -hmm. um poetry and painting yeah Mm yeah I love when you combine them on your Instagram oh thank you it's my fave that's so cool uh man that I imagined an an animation that you get made that's like a daisy being ripped out of the ground and then it goes into slow motion and it turns black and white and kind of you know and then and then you're talking about the program and you can talk about the different levels and it could be like, I don't know, get, get someone on Fiverr to make an animation or something. And could you fit it into 60 seconds? Yeah, actually, I, as you're saying that I can literally visualize it right now. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that's exactly how I see it. Yeah. Cause that's very enrolling. Like what you just described in that, that metaphor is so enrolling. And I feel like, um, Look, I'm just be really clear. I'm not saying this because I want my client to get, you know, to like do well. If that was the case, I would have had you on my podcast back when we started working together <laughs> to try and like promote you and stuff. But I, I truly just couldn't wait any longer because the stuff you're offering, like to me, feels so needed in the world. And I meet so many people who could use it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of letting them understand something about it 
in a way that has them go, oh, that's the door I need to step into next. There it is. I didn't know that door existed. I didn't know I could. I didn't know people like Melinda exist. And, you know, I so I just feel very, I feel very called to spread what you're doing because I needed it so badly once. And I maybe I didn't look, maybe it didn't exist. Yeah. No, thank you so much for that. Uh, grief support is still really young in our grief avoidance society. <laughs> and sometimes I look back and I, I'm like, damn, like I, I wish I had this at different points in my life too. Um, so it feels like an, a, a, an ode a tribute to certain losses of my life that were so big. And I, I can be honest and say, I did not grieve those. Well, mm-hmm. I was really numb, really avoidant, really unaware of how stigmatized I felt around my own grief. Um, and so I think that's why rising means so much to me and it has a life of its own. It just does. Like I don't, I don't put much pressure on it anymore. I've been running around since 2021. I really, I've, I've seen the impact, but I'm also like in full trust of, of whatever it's meant to turn into, but it's so sacred to me because I like, I wanted something like this too, a long time ago. Mm, Great point. And you, you've posted, I'm trying to stick to stuff you said publicly. Uh, but like, I know you've posted about all of the grieving that you've been up to in the last however long. And it's wild. Cause you're like running these groups and trying to like be the leader of the group and also experiencing some of the greatest pains of your life. Like mm-hmm. what's that been like? Holy shit. Um, the, the most, I, how do I even find the words? I don't know if you can tell my body's literally wanting to jump out of my chair as I, in this moment, am so present to how full circle it all is because now I really am in a new chapter almost like a year later from when all these losses began. Also for context, <laughs> they were, we're talking about losses of, um, my pet tragically died. And then two days later, my relationship that I thought was forever ended And then I did ayahuasca two months later and really had to confront all of the childhood sexual abuse that I never knew was of that level. Um, And And grandma. Oh my God. Yeah. Right before all of that, actually, my grandma died. And, and that was really hard. That's still something I'm grieving. And, and then a couple months later, um, my other pet, I had to give back to my friends who were the original owner. Juanita. Juanita, yeah. An angel. And, and you know, like, I think in some, every loss was different because, like, the loss of Juanita was really different than the loss of Didi. But they all hit that same nerve within me of, holy moly, like, I have just no control of the nature of life. Mm-hmm. So I need to reinvent how I look for control and anchor into life. And I think that's what all of it was for. So yeah, just to come all the way back to your question, it was the, it was the ride of my life this whole year. 
I've never grieved so fucking hard, so hard, because I don't think it was just the losses itself. I think one loss can trigger the thousands, lo- thousands of losses of your life. So I was also grieving for my inner child, my three-year-old self. Um, I was grieving for every love that I've had that I didn't fully acknowledge. The loss of those people that I've dated that I love so hard and did not know how to grieve. <sighs> I can't, ugh, it was just everything at once. And I had to be so real with myself about my capacity to be of service. Um, and I did, I had to adjust a lot. The first four months I cut down my business in half because I, I just could not, I could not yeah. serve to the capacity I was prior. Um, and I surrendered all the way. I was like, okay, my business has always been a spiritual experience. Um, sure, it's it's business, but it's it's a life of its own. And I've seen crazy things happen when I let go. So I'm gonna trust that if I just let go of my business and what I thought it was gonna be at this stage, it's all gonna work out. It's all gonna work out because I was really, really in, in integrity with my grief. Um, yeah. And, and so every couple months I would just check in with that, like what's next for my grief. But yeah, I did not leave a drop. I mean, I've honored every drop, every ounce, every crevice of this grief collectively. And I can genuinely say in this moment, I've experienced recently the most profound level of self-love and love for life and love for others. Um, I don't even know if love is the word that can fully encompass it, but I, I deeply feel this is the most grounded, integrated, and of service I've ever been. Happiest. If, it, if I died tomorrow, it was all worth it. Everything. Yeah. And what an amazing thing to be able to say. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how many people there are that if they've been knocked that many times might just use it as a reason to stop. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how come you didn't stop? Hmm. I actually love that question because I'm going to be so real about wanting to stop. There were many times I wanted to stop. There were many times I rubbed up against my own mental health. And if it weren't for the structures of support I like put in my life prior. You was my coach, my therapist. I had a somatic coach. Um, I was already reinventing my relationship with my family and friends. If all of those didn't exist, I don't know where I'd be. And I think that is a reality for a lot of people in grief. There's many times you touch not wanting to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just part of it. And me having to learn how to be with that level of pain within myself, I think it helps me to now stay sensitive to like other people in that place. So I'm not going to lie. You're going to touch it. I touched it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
end, the things that anchored me back was just learning to receive love along the way and look for love from these structures of support and from the universe. And I just kept telling myself, there is a future version of you that knows how you got through this. And I just had to trust in her. Oh, yeah. Shit. There's a future version of you who knows how you got through this. Yep. That's good. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a mind experiment, like a future vision of you. Uh, I don't know. Any of those sorts of phrases are very helpful to just get you out of the right now and into this, like, and not into doom future, but into like future where it has worked out. Yeah. Yeah. In whatever way work out. My my coach said to me once when I was in a really bad spot, um, everything works out. Even when it doesn't, it works out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just laughed because like you feel that I could feel the truth of that statement. Like even when something doesn't work out, it somehow it works out. And then you're like, oh, look, I see why this happened and we assign meaning, but like, uh, there, there's what is there, but assigning meaning. That's all yeah. there is. And we're just yeah. really used to assigning shitty meaning. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> In a world where you can choose your interpretations, we choose really bad ones. We do. Oh, we're just trying to protect ourselves from bad things. Oh, no yeah that's a great point then that's part of what grieving well is that's why i like doing this work is you get to really choose the meaning Mm -hmm. but yeah so i really hold on to that vision simply (laughs) yeah that's beautiful i mean that's kind of just our work as coaches is to be really clear on like what are we here for Mm mm-hmm for ourselves, for clients, like, what am I here for? And it's usually something really simplistic, like joy or light. Yeah. Oh, that clears things up. Great. So this is not that complicated. Uh, I could just choose that right now, but it feels really tempting to make everything way more complex and heavy and significant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which funny enough, I think is like part of our automatic with shitty meaning. <laughs> it's just all protection. Yeah, it is. Oh my God. This Okay. I wrote down to tell you this quote. Um, so do you know who Stephen Pressfield is? Mm-hmm. He wrote the war of art. Oh, I've uh, heard. yeah. The war of art's great. Uh, but he has a lot of follow-up books and there's one I haven't read yet, but a friend of mine was posting about it or screenshots of it. And I read this one page that just, it fucked me up, Melinda, because he was like self-expression. I don't think so. That's not what artists are doing. The book is called like the artist journey or something. And he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that artists are expressing themselves. And so I was like, wait, self-expression is my term. Like that's, that's what I've founded everything upon. What the hell are you talking about? And, and then I read what he was saying and he was basically like, I don't think that artists know what they're about to express. I think that artists 
artists make art in order to understand themselves. Mm. Wow. Like you don't know what you think until you make the art and then you learn what you think. Oh, and my. that's what you're expressing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I look at everything differently now because you just said that. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> it's actually so- like disconfirming something that I believed and also confirming something that I believed or that felt true. Yeah. To me, because just like you, and you're like, it's just coming through me. I don't know. That's how I feel about all music that I make up and, and all of the novels and the, the, like the fan fiction I've written. I want to know what happens next, just like the readers do. Wow. Wow. I'm really clear on it there. People are like, I love this story. I'm like, right. I don't, I genuinely don't feel like, look what I did. I, I may feel like, look what I allowed. I can be, right? Like, I'm, I'm like proud of myself for showing up and allowing the thing to come through me. But that's yeah. where, about where the pride stops. Oh my gosh, Michelle. You are just so casually profound. <laughs> look at, okay, I have a question. How do you preserve that level of allowance? Mm, I'm not very well. Because it comes in really big spurts. And then I let it die. Mm. And it goes through a bunch of like cycles. Like right now, I started a project a while ago where I'm singing people's tweets. <laughs> I just take their tweet and I turn it into a song, you know? Um, and I declared that I would do 100 of them. And then I put like eight of 100 or whatever number I was up to in my bio. And then I just proceeded to stop doing it for months. And I even like looked at how many days are left in the year and could I hit a hundred by the end of the year? And, um, and I wasn't, sorry, my computer just tried to update the OS right in this moment for some reason. So I was like telling it to stop. Um, I just stopped. And then the other day I just decided, okay, let's turn this spigot back on. And I forced myself to do one. And I've done one every day since. And actually, right before we got on, I did one that's just, wait, I just have to put the audio with the video and then post it. Yeah. And so I know that there's there's an element of my creativity that is 100% just, I had inspiration. The muses are all yelling at me. I have to get my fingers onto a keyboard of a musical or, you know, regular typing variety uh, to let it through. But then I'll just like, stop. Yeah. If the muses aren't that loud, I stop. And so I don't really preserve it. It kind of goes, maybe it goes dormant for a while and I like let it, maybe, okay, that's my answer. When I'm not inspired, I'm just sort of like, oh, it's not the season right now. Uh, yeah. I was going to say that sounds, that sounds like a really actual, like valuable part of your process. Mm. Yeah, but the, there is a voice in my head always that's like, you lazy piece of shit. What, why, like, come on. Come on. You could generate a song. You're just being lazy. I did not know that about you because you're, you're so generative. I feel like whatever you consider as too long of a break. <laughs> I know, right? because what I hear between the lines is you're honoring your own nature like nature's never the same nature has cycles and it's it's always perfect 
I'm dying for someone to come along and just label all of my cycles for me and tell me what's okay. Like I find like when you said, oh, nature has cycles. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, so, so like, how does it work? Cause, <laughs> cause mostly I have to manage my psychology and my, uh, and, all, and you're right. I, I do a lot and I think I'm not doing anything at all because I know what I'm ultimately capable of. And so I'm always comparing myself to this, like, more actualized version of me X number of years down the line. Wild. Oh my gosh. No, I think you're literally the personification of living from your nature. There's There's even a quote and Martha Beck says it. Gosh, I live by Martha Beck. Um, Oh boy. What was that quote? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the other quote she says that I love that's connected to that. Um, and I told you it before because it's been my guiding force the last year. When you stop doing things by the struggle of your individual will and you fall into your nature, the power of nature itself has intentions and a design for you and it will pick you up like a river. And I mm. think that that's the art of it. Like, without efforting at all, everything gets done in nature. That's <laughs> like true. Teacher's not trying to accomplish anything, yet everything gets done. I think that's the quote. And sometimes it's a mess. Like I walk through the forest every morning, I take hikes, and trees just like trees over water are the most amazing thing ever because they'll like almost fall and then they'll end up being like a bent tree that's kind of hovering right over the water and the roots are all exposed above the ground. Yeah, I got to send you videos of some of the, like I take videos when I find like the really expo- overexposed root trees because it's so fascinating to me. Oh. And they create like that. And then also just in the forest um, when there's like an incline and how the tree roots end up creating st- stairs. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I know nature is wild, isn't it? Yeah. Also, Melinda, the forest I go into changes every day. And I know that that sounds like, well, of course it does. It's a fucking forest. But I mean, I walk in and I look around and I'm like, you different girl. <laughs> you move stuff, you move the furniture around. What's going on? That tree was not here yesterday. I swear. Oh my God. I love must, maybe it's the lighting. But So what'd you say? You're just developing such an intimate relationship with this forest. Yes. Like noticing all these, oh my God, these things that like no one would like choose to interact with or like I, for the first time in my life, I understand why people cry about a forest burning down. Now, look, I know there's like been fires and there's all these things happening in the world, but like, I, I didn't, I just started thinking about it the other day. Like if something happened to this park, yeah, I'd be fucking beside myself. Oh, beautiful. Gosh. I love that. I love that you're so connected to that. I've never had that before. I've never never really cared that much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know what? I, I can honor that in you because same. Mm. Like for the last two years, have I noticed nature differently and restored my connection to this earth? And there's like some embarrassment for me in saying that because I grew up in Hawaii where nature mm. is so valued um but that's how disconnected I was from my nature like I could not be connected to the land to others to myself like in the truest form 
but now I see that's like my number one priority for me to really be happy here. <laughs> Not to be happy, but really be alive in my life here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good place we have to end. So that's lovely. Uh, where can people find you? Um, on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Melinda Chinen, just my name. And also my website is melindachinencoaching.com. Beautiful. And I'll, I'll link it for people oh, so it's easy. I feel, and I just want to say, we've only like scratched the very top surface of who Melinda is. So I hope you get a taste and like go follow her and find what she's doing. And uh, there's like a lot of depth in there and a lot of profound wisdom and um, and support and healing. And you're wonderful. Thank you. You are too. You. Changed my life and best coach I could have ever asked for. It's Aww. always so spiritual to be Thank you, lovely. with you. Thank you. Thank you.